0: During our morning worship services, we have been following a series from the parables, the parables that Jesus spoke. And we're going to be looking at another parable, actually two of them. Uh, Again, parables referring to God's kingdom and helping us to understand a little bit about God's kingdom. We're returning to Matthew 13 once again. I think there's like seven or eight parables in that one chapter. Last time we looked at the parable of the weeds, and then the parable of the weeds explained. And in between those two is what we're going to be looking at this morning. It's the mustard seed and the leaven. And the title of the message is The Growth of God's Kingdom. So follow along as I read Matthew 13, beginning with verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. It seems like humanity has always been intrigued with that which is big and powerful and great. One can go back in history and find evidence of this. I think, for example, of the Tower of Babel, where we see mankind trying to literally build up to be like God. Or the different empires that rose and then fell again or the archeological wonders that have been uncovered. People love big, powerful, sensational things. And added to this fascination for that which is big and powerful, there's also been an obsession with getting immediate results. We often judge success by the amount that we're able to measure at the end of the project that we do or the work that we carry out. We focus on productivity, what can give us a good return on our investment. So humanity has been intrigued by the sensational, the dramatic, and the immediate. In many ways, this emphasis was also present during biblical times. If you recall, Jesus was often surrounded by a huge crowd of people who followed him. And they did so for one primary reason, and that was they wanted to experience something extraordinary. They had heard about Jesus. They had heard about his miracles, his amazing healing power. Word had gotten out. Just imagine for instance, of the 5,000 that were fed, if every one of that crowd of people went out and told their relatives or friends, think of how quickly word got out. As we read the gospel accounts, we see a majority of people who followed Jesus wanted something to gain from that experience. They were motivated buy, for example, a free meal. They heard Jesus gave out free meals. Or for some sort of physical healing because Jesus would often heal. Even demon-possessed people. And sometimes they came and they asked him questions because he could provide amazing answers for the tough questions. So Jesus knew that human tendency, that that desire to experience life in all of its fullness and bigness. And he knew that his followers, and specifically his disciples, would become impatient. Perhaps they'd start asking, is Jesus really the promised Messiah? Maybe they were thinking, could this carpenter from Nazareth truly be the Son of God? Would he be able to stand up strong against Rome? And maybe in the forefront of their mind as well was, why is the coming of God's kingdom taking so long? Jesus gives them these two parables, the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven, to remind his people that God is at work Even though our eyes may not physically see God at work, even though our minds may not understand how it occurs, but God is at work and his kingdom is growing. One commentator in particular identifies these two parables as God's hope filled survival kit. And he goes on to say, for all of the times in which you and I are are impatient or discouraged in the faith or wanting to see more, we can look at these parables. The first one deals with outward growth. And the second parable addresses inward growth. So we're going to begin with the first parable, the one that focuses on outward growth. It's referred to as the parable of the mustard seed. So, when you and I are a little impatient, perhaps, or we get a little frustrated, even in the midst of doing ministry and serving others, when we say, is it really worth all of the effort? Jesus gives us this parable. He reminds us of several important truths first. We're reminded that in the growing or the growth of God's kingdom, small is huge. Small is significant. Jesus uses in his parable the example of a mustard seed. Perhaps you have seen mustard seeds. They are so tiny. During ancient times, a mustard plant was raised as one of the herbs that they used in their cooking. It was often grown in their gardens. And there was one particular variety that grew from that tiny seed into more of a bush-like plant. Then it would continue to grow actually into the size of a shrub or a small tree. And birds would perch in its branches and they would build their nests. From a small little seed, we would say a minuscule beginning, there emerges this significant product in in terms of the vegetation. The seed to foliage or seed to fruit ratio was amazing. It was multiplied hundreds and hundreds of times over. So the point of the parable that Jesus is giving is he's using a familiar image to the people in ancient Palestine, this tiny little mustard seed. He's using it as an example of something that may appear to be so tiny, but can grow in gigantic proportions. In verse 31, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like that little mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. So Jesus is the sower, and that's significant. His own life, his own ministry exemplified and explained the meaning of this parable. God literally planted a little seed in Bethlehem. And think of all of what surrounds the fact that God came in Jesus Christ and took on human flesh. He grew in wisdom and stature, we're told. And during his ministry, Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God. And it was seen and demonstrated through the love that he showed to others, leading him ultimately to Calvary, to the cross, and resurrection where we see the transforming power of Jesus Christ released in an amazing way. A small, seemingly insignificant birth in this tiny little town. But what amazing growth. Second, I think it's important that we realize that it's God who gives the growth. You and I need to realize it's not our effort. It's not the size of our faith that then causes God's kingdom to grow. It's the immensity of God's power that makes the difference. We can say that if God desires change and transformation, it will happen. Once the seed is planted... God is the one who does the growing. We pray that God will open our eyes, that we can see and appreciate his abundant resources, and also that we can be open to specific ways that he can use us in that process of carrying out his will. But we cannot physically do it in our own strength and ability. I was thinking about that. And I thought an almond farmer would not come up to one of the trees and try to literally pull it and stretch it so that it would grow faster. Neither should we think that God's kingdom depends upon what we do and our effort. Our prayer should always be from that perspective. God's in control. He is working out his purposes One author writes, I found that I could not plan or dream how God might want to do his work. I found that my relationship with God was of supreme importance. I learned to love him more dearly, to pray more faithfully, to trust him fully, and to wait on him with eager anticipation. When he was ready to use me, he would then let me know. Then I would have to make the necessary adjustments in order to obey him. Until then, I would watch, listen, and pray. His timing and his ways always would be the best and would always be right. So God wants us to be obedient to his will. He longs For you and me to desire him and to respond obediently to him. God is all-powerful. He is the one who created this world through the power of his word. And he is able to accomplish anything that he purposes to accomplish. Since God is all-powerful, We do not need to fear or question whether he's going to provide for us the resources to do his will. So let's summarize. When it comes to growth in the kingdom of God, first of all, small is significant. Second, God is the one who gives the growth. Third, we're reminded that in God's kingdom, it is Christians or believers who are the ones who communicate Christ, or show who Christ is. God's kingdom and the purpose of God's kingdom is stated in the last part of verse 32 where it says, so that the birds of the air can come and nest or perch in its branches. Think of that vision, that image. Birds go to a tree in order to find safety. Refuge, a sanctuary, a place where they can raise their young. Jesus is explaining the fact that the kingdom of heaven ultimately provides shelter, protection, benefit to the whole world. Christians are communicators of hope to people who are discouraged and need to hear about our savior, Jesus Christ. Other people need to know the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. We are to approach and encourage hurting people who long for relief so that they can be like a bird that can perch in a mustard plant, and to find respite and true wisdom and truth. So that's the outward growth of God's kingdom. The second parable focuses on the inward growth. And it shows that change and transformation always begins on the inside. It affects our values, goals, feelings, attitudes. One commentator says the parable of the leaven is the parable of the transformation of one's personality. He goes on to say personality is the person who lives inside of our skin. Thought that was an interesting definition. Subsequently, The transforming power of a Christ-centered personality is what occurs to the believer. It dramatizes how the kingdom of God changes us and then how we, as changed people, affect the world. In the Bible, it says that we are to be conformed to the image of Christ that is in preparation for us to be witnesses for him that word leaven describes a piece of dough that was kept over from a previous baking today bread makers call it the starter from which they make the next loaf of bread and while it's being stored it begins to ferment Then it is taken, it's kneaded into a new batch of dough. But if you think about it, the leaven pervades the entire mixture within the dough. It has a transforming kind of influence. The dough would change its nature, literally would grow due to the silent and yet impactful working of the leaven. So Jesus uses this image, then, to describe the inward growth that occurs within the kingdom of God. Again, I think there's a couple of important things that we want to highlight and point out. First of all, Jesus is actually referring to himself as the leaven that altered the shape of history. In In the incarnation of Christ, We see the power of God being kneaded into the dough of humanity. Jesus in his earthly ministry was the fullness of God who willingly and obediently took on human flesh, infusing newness of life into a broken and fallen world. Jesus is the bringing of the reign and the rule of God to earth. We see it in his life, we see it in his message. His death and his resurrection brings a new creation. We could say the bread is being transformed. It's beginning to rise. And even now, through the working of the Holy Spirit, his presence permeates throughout the whole of life. So Jesus is the leaven. And then we could say, second, that Christians then are the leaven of God's kingdom within our society. So what Christ has been and is to us as leaven, changing us, inspiring us, we are to do that to the world around us. Once we have experienced that leavening, that that working in our hearts and souls, transforming of our being, we then are to be agents of change within the kingdom of God. We are to be kneaded into the dough of society. Our influence to others who don't know Christ must be like leaven, pervasive, penetrating, and then permeating. As we think about that, as we reflect upon that in light of this upcoming week, a couple of thoughts I have for you. The first one is this. In order to go and permeate, you need to come into contact. Think of leaven in the bread, in the dough. You can't just somehow separate it once it has been kneaded into the whole of the bread. If you tried to, you wouldn't be able to. So what this is saying to us is as believers, we need to be authentic, because someone else might say if you don't care about who i am if you don't care about my journey in life what's important to me why should i listen to you why should i open up my heart or if you don't want to become involved needed into my life experiencing what i'm experiencing my pains or my joys how can you help me grow closer to Christ in my spiritual walk? There needs to be a coming into contact. And leaven shows no partiality. It's mixed equally throughout the entire dough. And what that says to us as believers is that Christ's forgiving love needs to be mixed equally throughout the whole of our lives and visible in every area of our lives in all the interactions that we have with others. So to permeate, you need to come into contact. Another thought. A lasting change or transformation requires time. Change requires time. Another way of saying it is there's no shortcuts. How often don't we think that somehow we can go from this point over to here and not have to go through all the work or the effort to get there? It just doesn't work that way. God provides what we need in his time. And usually his time is different than ours. So change requires time. That's saying that once the leaven is is inserted and mixed, you don't take it out again, you can't extract it, but it continues to influence and to change. So for us, when we share our faith, it's not just one simple telling someone about Jesus Christ and saying, that's it. We need to be the leaven that continues to work change. If we are to be salt in the world, if we need to be a light on a hill, it means that we have to invest of ourselves completely and totally and surrender ourselves for the sake of Jesus Christ. That's how we become authentic witnesses. I want to leave you with Just a couple of simple questions as you enter into this week. First is this. Is the leaven of Jesus Christ at work within you? And then second, how is the leaven of Jesus Christ at work in you? And then finally, whom has God called you to? To be an agent of leavening, too. Is the power of Christ at work in you? How is he working in you? And to whom has God called you to be a leavening force in the life of another person? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your kingdom. We are a people who are desirous of that which is big and quick and extraordinary. We like to see results immediately. That's why Jesus needed to give the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. To remind us that big big comes from small. Small beginnings. And that, Lord, so it is with us in our lives as we change. And so it is within your kingdom. But also the way in which that change occurs. The mixing of the leaven. How it permeates. And how we also are to be Conform to the image of Jesus Christ, which means we need to know him, we need to read your word, we need to be able to see you at work and the doors that you are opening as we seek to live our lives for you. As we approach this new week with fresh opportunities every day. May we challenge ourselves that we would not be given over to despair or discouragement, but that we would realize the importance of the church as the body of Christ to show what truth is about, who Jesus is as Lord and Savior. Not that others would say what a good person we are, But what an amazing Savior Jesus is. We pray this in his name. Amen.